Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now i have an app called podcoin you have an app called podcoin i listen to podcasts on my app Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And every time I listen to podcasts, I get pod coins. Pod coins. I use those pod coins to get gift cards or donate to charity. Be altruistic. If you use our code, what is our code to use? ScreenPod. S C R E E N P O D. ScreenPod. You will get. 300 bonus pod coins. So why don't you get those bonus pod coins? Sign up on your Google Play Store or on the App Store. Hey folks, so uh, normally at this time you'd be hearing Jason and I saying something along the lines of, we're covering a British film and it's British and it's very British. And of course you'd hear someone from our mausoleum open the show but that is not to be this week. Jason is off getting married, so instead of a regular episode, I have reached into the archives of my other podcast that I co-host uh, called What Were They Thinking, where we talk about bad to questionable movies, and I pulled two episodes, one of which you'll hear this week, uh, that Jason was actually a guest on. So this week you'll hear Jason on an episode of What Were They Thinking about the film Snake Eyes. Uh, so me and my co-host, Nathan, uh, talk with Jason about that film. And then next week, you'll hear another one. Because like I said, Jason is getting married. He is away. So enjoy. Man, I just saw the best movie. I, I it, it was everything that I was hoping it would be. It's the new Brian De Palma film. Whoa, uh, Brian De Palma is awesome. I, I love, I love Blowout and Carrie. What was it? What was it? It's this new one called Snake Eyes. Ooh, hold it! Nick Cage is in it. Nice. Gary Sinise is in it. Love him. It's a really like a neo noir detective movie. So it's like a mystery. Yeah, Gary Sinise is the bad guy. Right. Wait. Wait. Hold on. What? Why did uh, you ruin it? Well, I mean, you would have found out about 45 minutes into it because they reveal it super early. But you said it was a mystery. Yeah, yep. Where that is the crux of the movie? Essentially, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the movie 45 minutes long? No, it's it's about an hour and 38. The hell did they do for the rest of the movie? They Nick Caged it up. You know why? Why? Because when you Nick Cage it up, Brian De Palma knows that's when the money rolls in. You know when I pick a movie, that's when I'm on to pressure now. The question always comes back to me, what were they thinking now? 
Welcome to another What Were They Thinking? I am Brendan. I'm Nathan. And we have a very special guest with us in studio. Would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I work a counter. I make the money. Some call me Jason, but you can call me Jason McCloud. <laughs> you can call him Ray. Yeah. You can call him Jay. <laughs> Returning guest, Jason McCloud. You may remember him from our WrestleMania 11. Man. Greatest WrestleMania ever put to videotape. Ugh. And, uh, of course, Michael Bay's magnum opus, Pearl Harbor. Gross. Mm. I love Japanese. <laughs> Wait, okay. I'm not gonna... I don't want to delve into that. <laughs> I was gonna ask you to elaborate, and I thought that might be a bad idea. I'm a, I'm but, a fan of sushi. That's right. This week, what movie are we talking about, Nathan? Snake Eyes! Starring N- Sir Nicholas Cage. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was knighted. Sir Gary Sinise. He definitely is. <laughs> uh, Sir John Hurd. Okay, you know, <laughs> Kevin, you the idea. Kevin McAllister's dad. <laughs> That's who that guy is. I knew he looked familiar. <laughs> uh, but I mean, okay, this is, I think this is a rarity for us, is that, I mean, it, it, it happens once in a while, but I think this is one of those rare cases where all the pieces make sense, mm-hmm. but the final puzzle doesn't equate to it. You mean in the story or the, the people on paper who are in this movie? I'm talking about the director, the actors, the writer, like it all Everything it all looks, together. yeah, great on paper, but... Right. Yeah. Well, first thing I want to mention, before we even get into the plot, <laughs> one thing that I thought was really funny about this movie is that Gary Sinise plays a character named Kevin Dunn. Yes, sir. Well, the actor, Kevin Dunn, plays a character named Lou. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that. I, I saw that and I immediately thought of the, the guy who used to do um, the interviews for the WWE. He's yeah. Still, he's still there. I was going to say, he's still yeah. there, isn't he? That yeah. Kevin Dunn that yeah. they always talk that shit Kev, about. Kevin Dunn, Bucky Beaver, motherfucker! <laughs> oh, see, yeah, I, that's not the... Well, who was I thinking then? Oh, Kevin Kevin uh, Kelly. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so already I, I've ruined it. I ran out of the gate. We've ruined it. We, 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 got the re- we got the reference in. Yeah, it's I in suppose. The can. It's in there. Well, this movie's yeah. a fucking classic, clearly, so we need to power on and discuss this for the people. Well, classic let me just say... in that it's super dated, like, even for, like, it's 98, and I'm watching it, and it's like, man, there's so many dated things. Like, apparently, pay-per-view boxing is still a draw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, not our first movie, not the first movie on this show to have pay-per-view boxing as a major plot point. Right. Uh, <laughs> Judgment Night was was way better, though. Going all the way back to episode three, mm-hmm. Judgment Night. Um, also, I should mention, Ke- the character of Kevin Dunn was originally written for Will Smith. <laughs> but I find it hard to believe they were going to convince him, number one, to play a bad guy. And number two, he wanted $12 million. Well, it was 98, uh, so bad, but he was he was actually pretty big by that point. But, uh, as we'll find out later, Snake Eyes has, a like, a decent budget, but probably not enough to give Will Smith $12 million. No. Uh, Al Pacino also turned it down. Can you imagine, guys, <laughs> this movie with Nick Cage Whoa. and Al Pacino? I have a feeling... You got Snake Eyes, buddy! <laughs> I have a feeling he would be the, uh, Nick Cage role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, he turned down the Kevin Dunn role. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, probably because he wanted the Nick Cage role, yeah. let's be real. <laughs> That would definitely play to his strengths. 
Um, the other thing that will uh, that I'll mention, uh, there's a couple that I'll mention like while while we're talking about the movie itself. But uh, this movie, <laughs> just to give you, it has a very frenetic pace. Obviously, it's very fast paced. Um, I feel like in real life it was too because it was shot and finished with two weeks left in the schedule. Oh, they had two two weeks where they could have you know went back and maybe like yeah. double checked stuff. Nah. It's, it's like a government project coming in under budget. That never happens. Yeah. <laughs> very, very rare. I think Ridley Scott is like one of the few directors who says he always delivers like on time and and like slightly under budget. But this is two weeks. That's that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're used to dealing with stuff that has budget overruns and, you know, uh, you know, 16 just, writers. What's that? Like 16 writers surviving Christmas. Well, um, Oh no! That I was gonna say. This one had four people, but I'm confusing that with the the movie. I went to I went to the drive-in last night and saw Truth or Dare, and they had four people on that screenplay. And I was like, "That is not a good sign. This movie is gonna be rough." <laughs> but thankfully, this was not as bad as Truth or Dare. This is Snake Eyes, folks. Yeah. This was at least enjoyable. This was a really well shot movie, and there was a lot of really cool camera, ca- a lot of cool camera work that was done. Yeah, Brian De Palma, of course, but. Well, and I will say this movie. So this movie opens. We're at a we're at a, a casino, uh, a, a giant Trump Trump level casino. I think it was even filmed there because they even thanked at the very end. I saw the producers wish to thank Trump Taj Mahal or something like Gross. that. Gross. Um, so uh, no, 1998. He wasn't racist yet, right? Yeah, he was, yeah. He was still the loving, the loving pluralist that uh, he later was not. You know. Lifelong Democrat Donald Trump. He's always been a gross, garbage person. <laughs> so yeah, we're at this giant casino. Uh, there's going to be a boxing fight, and we get a little bit of business at the beginning with a TV reporter talking about a tropical storm. I think they're although... called matches. What's that? I think they're called matches. Matches. Yeah, a boxing fight. They're oh, called matches. Well, they they call it they call it a fight throughout the whole thing. Well, they it, okay, it is a fight, but when you're referring to it, it's a boxing match. Yeah, I don't watch boxing. I don't know. Yeah, okay, I know so, you don't sport ball either. No. Nope, so so right ball. off the bat here, I have to ask you. You mentioned so we're watching this. What were they thinking? Yeah, that's it. We're, we're done. Um, so you have you have this lady doing a stand up outside, and she <laughs> is working for the Powell Pay Per View Network. The extra P is for Powell. Um, so. <laughs> What pay-per-view network, like, and, and maybe I'm crazy, I don't have HBO, so maybe I'm just a poor person that doesn't get it, but what what pay-per-view boxing, like, like show has, like, a, like a news reporter-style stand-up at the beginning with the, with the guy in the suit, uh, Lou, uh, doing news-related interviews because he got the thing so he could go in and do the news interview. He works for a pay-per-view network. He works for, it's like working for HBO. He's not doing news. Oh, I can what, answer what is that. going on in this I world? I can answer that question for okay, you, Okay, please uh, do, please do. Zero, none. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> Plot! Plot! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, I, I, I felt the same thing. It makes, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Also, Hurricane Jezebel. Jezebel is the name they chose. That's a that's a really loaded term, even twenty years to go with. Come on, guys. Well, the only I, uh, to go back to the, uh, the the correspondence thing. I mean, I know that HBO has correspondence for their fights, and I know that Showtime does as well. They don't have like a news network. No, but I don't. I don't. It it seems to me that to name the network the Powell Pay Per View. Uh, network is just is just lazy writing yeah really i mean i mean no one i mean there was it's no one 
pay-per-view is just something that you you pay for and you go you get it through your company or through your cable company there nobody has named their network something pay-per-view exactly it could have been the Powell broadcasting system mm. it could have been PBS <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing tonight on PBS a boxing match <laughs> this this fight brought to you by the Chubb group and viewers like you the Arthur Arthur Midland Daniels Foundation and now a word about drugs <laughs> so, would you like to see the rest of this fight well for just <laughs> For the next eight hours, we're gonna... <laughs> so right away, pretty much right off the bat, Nicholas Cage enters the fucking scene like a house of fire. Like you this, know, this boded well for me. Nicholas Cage comes in hot. I, I feel this is how he actually feels about being on TV. <laughs> they have, they have to like, TV. they have to set like a day aside of filming to calm him down about being like on TV or in films. Come on, TV. Yeah. Do you, do you guys think De Palma was like, okay, I got to do this opening twenty yes. minutes and just let him riff, get it out of his system, and then he'll listen to me for the rest of the movie? Well, what De Palma did is he said to Nick Cage, he said, the first thing you're going to say when you get up on there is that, hey, I'm on TV, because the very last line of the movie is, ah, oh, what the hell? At least I got to be on TV. Oh shit! There you go, bookends. That's how smart De Palma is. He knows what he's doing. Wrapped there you in a go. neat little bow. <laughs> <laughs> um. De Palma's best film, right? Yeah, Snake absolutely. Eyes. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. Number one. Uh, so, again, Nick, Nick Cage is here right right off the bat. Uh, he's pretty quickly he establishes himself as one of the least likable characters. <laughs> and he's uh, clearly on man. cocaine. Oh, oh yes. if if the character isn't, the actor is. <laughs> whoa, whoa, he, you can't say that on a cell phone. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? I laughed so hard at that line. Let's ex- let's ex- yeah, let's explain. So he's talking to like his mistress mm-hmm. on a fucking gold flip phone, Motorola flip phone that is clearly spray painted gold. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you're when you're Ricky Santoro, you have everything gold plated, baby. Former Pennsylvania Senator Ricky Santoro. I kept hearing Santorum honest yeah. to god every single time he said <laughs> every it. Every time. Oh, and I was shit. like, man, <laughs> is this a prequel, guys, <laughs> to Rick Santorum's life? <laughs> Actually, I gotta I gotta say this. You said prequel. I now I have not seen Bad of Call, or, or sorry, Port of Call, New Orleans. <laughs> bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. I have not seen that movie. However, I did see Abel Ferrer's Bad Lieutenant, and this feels like a prequel to that, like a funny prequel to a really serious, terrible, like terribly awful movie. I mean, it's a good movie, but it's just really hard to watch. So yeah, it's just it's it's like the beginnings of a cop being super corrupt, and then and then and then the next movie he would then be naked in front of Jesus screaming. <laughs> As one is wont to do. Yes. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if Nick Cage started doing that in oh, real yeah. life or in movies. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, Nick Cage is going around. He runs into his buddy Lou, played by Kevin Dunn. Don't hey. get confused, guys. There's another guy that's playing Kevin Dunn. I'm in this movie. <laughs> I didn't know I was in this movie. <laughs> oh, fuck Kevin Dunn. Get the fuck out of the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'll leave. Fucking motherfucker. <laughs> fucking Bucky Beaver asshole. Jim, you gotta get out of here. You're not, your voice isn't high enough. <laughs> fucking motherfucker. <laughs> fucking motherfucker. Jim, Bucky Beaver motherfucking asshole. There you go. Piece of shit. There, there go. spot you on. nailed it. Spot oh. on. It hurts to cornet. Uh, so, Cage is running around. He, uh, he, he runs into, uh, he, he's basically taking bets from people. Like, he, he makes fun of his buddy because he's like, I'm giving you a hundred dollars. And he's like, what are you, a pussy? <laughs> oh no! It was fifty-seven, fifty-four dollars and seventy cents, or something like it's a weird number. 
And yeah. he goads him into a hundred. Oh, he's just calling people left and right. Like we said, the thing about the cell phone, oh, we got to go back there for a second because he says to his mistress, she says something dirty on the phone. And yeah, he says, you can't say that on a cell phone. <laughs> why? Like, why? <laughs> Well, it was a well it was a well known uh, uh, myth in, said, in the nineties that the government could monitor uh, what you said on a cell phone. I mean, now it's a well known fact. Now it's a fact. Yes. <laughs> oh God, here we go. Boom! <laughs> we're hitting the hard points, guys. <laughs> you guys, I didn't know conspiracies were going to be part of this. <laughs> but yeah, he's so he's going around. He's talking to his mistress, talking to his wife, uh, back and forth on the phone, which is pretty funny, and. <laughs> then he meets up with Louise Guzman just to give you an idea of what this kind of like what what his kind of uh, acting style in this movie. I I took this little clip. Um, he kind of confronts Louise Guzman and wants uh, money from him. Here we go. Well, that's a start. What? What, what? what do you want? What do you think? No. Yes. No. Come on. This is not fair, man. Come on. Call the cop. No. Hey. No. Get out of here, man. You've got the wrong attitude about all this, Cyrus. you got to keep positive. See, when we have these little visits, I allow you, I permit you, I give you the opportunity to pay for all the extra police work that you create. That doesn't feel nice to contribute to society for a change. Come on, come on. Friend Cyrus, everybody loves Rick Santoro. <laughs> it, spoiler alert: nobody loves Rick Santoro. <laughs> also, we should we should note that he took bullets out of that guy's jacket, just started stomping on them. No, those were those crack are files. Cr- oh. Yeah, Louise Guzman did not listen to Alf. Okay, <laughs> about not Pull doing back. drugs. Yeah. I feel like at this point, if you're only starting to listen to our podcast, the inside references are so deep, you have to like go back. I got that reference. So you guys watched that cartoon All-Stars thing, which I watched a million times as a kid, so uh, I'll have to yeah, listen to that. It's delightful. <laughs> so yeah, again, he's like assaulting people, taking their money, all that shit. But then he meets up with the man whose life I want, Gary Sinise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's actually a fair statement when we're talking about Gary Sinise. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite Nicolas Cage lines, I think, ever was uttered in this exchange where Gary Sinise makes a comment about his uh, ridiculous uh, snakeskin fucking jacket that he's wearing. And he says, whoa, part of my savoir faire, Admiral. (laughs) Which is extra funny because he's a commander, not an admiral. (laughs) There is, uh, oh man, his rank gets switched up so many times in this movie by different people (laughs) who can't read the... uh, the, uh, the chevrons on the side of his <laughs> on the side of his shoulders because he gets called a sergeant at one point yeah yeah so i was confused for a while about why he was the security guy yeah what was with the, i mean what was the was all the navy doing security for this uh, this event in atlantic city new jersey or was he just there for the the secretary of defense and does the secretary of defense normally have a naval security detail perhaps i mean he wasn't a soldier this this secretary of defense so it wasn't like he had a bunch of old navy buddies he, he pulled rank to to do this <laughs> 43 minutes later we'll find out well, that's why right he yes did it. right how can i forget that yeah. snake eyes never mind you are flawless <laughs> Yeah, I, I also said at this point an alternate title for this movie could have been There He Is, because I think Cage says that like 20 times in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I like how when uh, when Nick Cage gives this whole 
thing about being the mayor and all that. He he's very close. Like Jim Carrey could have played this role easily as well. <laughs> I think Jim Carrey would have been subdued more than Nick Cage in this movie. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> uh, so, so the, the the fight begins. There's lots of shouting. People are getting excited. People are getting amped up. And I'm gonna just say this: people are loud as fuck in this building. Correct? Yeah. The idea, this, yeah. This, this man that yells out, "Here comes the pain!" Who is not Brock Lesnar, by the way. Yes. Uh, when he yells that out, supposedly we are led to believe that the person in the ring is listening to that for a cue. Mm. You would not hear that man. Well, it was established in a deleted scene that this boxer has really good hearing. He's like got he's a superhero, if you will. <laughs> a super wait, is that like a superhero but just mispronounced? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he's one of them superheroes. <laughs> That's how you say it in Alabama. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's that's true, right? Like, you wouldn't be able to hear that guy. No, God, no. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Unless he, maybe that guy really was really loud. Maybe he had a real super piercing voice that didn't, was not conveyed through the soundtrack. Possibly he could project because he was also an actor. He was trained. He was trained at... Uh, a to, thespian, to, if you will. Stamp Stratford upon Avon. Or, yes, indeed. He looks like he could be like one of the thugs in Ghost or something. Yeah. <laughs> You look pretty scuzzy. But yeah, it would be it would have been great if he just had a megaphone. Here comes the pain. What that guy in here? <laughs> How'd he get that megaphone in here? Is that Jimmy Hart? Oh my god! <laughs> Rasslin. Yeah. So the fight begins. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of craziness. And uh, Gary Sinise spots a uh, red-haired woman in a red mm. dress. Mm-hmm. Yes, like the song, but not the same colors. Lady in red. Oh, there you go. I was thinking uh, the black... Long, cool woman in a black dress? The one with the black... Oh. Yeah, bla- oh, yeah, yeah, long, yeah, cool black woman in a black dress. That's what it is. Yeah. Except for this would be a red dress. Right. Did you guys find out she cartoonishly stood out? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, almost to the point of, like... <laughs> almost to the point of, like, beyond realism. But this is a colorful movie. I mean, if you look at the various scenes throughout this movie, especially when, when they're panning over the hotel rooms later in the movie, there's a lot of color. And, I mean, or, I, I think that's a Brian De Palma thing, isn't it? Even look at Nicolas Cage's jacket. Don't look directly yeah. at Nicolas no. Cage's jacket, but look like around it in the vicinity of it. Folks, yes. if any of you listening did look directly at Nick Cage's jacket, um, listening to this podcast is probably your only form of entertainment now because you are blind. Yeah. <laughs> so we will provide. Yep. We will. Uh, Nicolas, Nicolas Cage does have a great line here. Um, it's not so much what he says, but just randomly he just stands up and says, I am the king! <laughs> I think which, that, okay. that was the point where I was like, Nick, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey that, would be great in this role. <laughs> I remember that moment from the trailer uh, at the time. I remember seeing the trailers for this movie. That was the one they always hammered on. And, and over the years, I've never seen Snake Eyes until now. And over the years, I always assumed that that was an indicator of this just being a completely off-the-wall type of Nick Cage movie, but I was kind of disappointed to figure out, while he is certainly has his crazy in this movie, this isn't like, this isn't one of the crazier Nicolas Cage uh, performances. Ooh. No, you, well, you have to go direct a video to get that, to really get that. Yes. Hold on, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna step in and say, performance-wise, I think it's up there. Yeah. Because I think the first 20 minutes, they really hammer that That's true, they really do, the, um, the corrupt cop and the, the multiple mistresses and... Yeah, like movie-wise, it's definitely not one of the crazier movies he's been in. It's, it, it's crazy, but it's not... It, it, but it's, it, it's not up there with something like Wicker Man or, or um, just, you know, the, the classically crazy Nick Cage. The bees! We got that bag of shark! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wicker Man, coming soon. Possibly. 
I think we should. So so Gary Sinise walks off to get that, uh, figure out what that girl in the dress is yeah. doing in the crowd. Uh, he ends up chasing her because she, she when the crowd gets up and gets excited, she runs off. He chases her out. Uh, Cage gets joined by uh, a girl that was in our previous film, Carla Gugino. She's oh, back. I'm so happy to be here. Actually, she uh, is oh. in movie and I love her. Oh. Love her. Oh, no. Hey, 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 hey. What did I say? What did I say about jumping on the microphone? I'm sorry, but I must profess my, my love for Cochino. She is beautiful woman and so glad she's in this movie. <laughs> Jason, that's our uh, that's our, our cleaner guy. Hello, Mr. Oh. Jason. I'm Milos. It's nice to meet you, Milos. It's nice to meet you, too. I, you you are a store clerk? Yes, I'm a, I'm a clerk at a, at a store. Are, at a you, are you even supposed to be here today? <laughs> <laughs> Mil- no. Milos made funny. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you've seen Clerks, Milos. You're, you're very, you're very literate film-wise, Milos. I, I, I try. They won't let me on the podcast very often because they say I have accent. I don't hear accent, but they say I have. Um, I don't hear it. Oh, th- thank you very much, Mr. Jason, sir. Um, you're not helping. Jason. I'm, not I'm helping. going to get back to work. Are you going to use those shoes? Keep your shoes, Jason. Keep your shoes. I I, I need these, Milos. Oh, okay. But, but I okay. wish you all the best. Oh well, thank you, thank you, Mister Jason. And 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 God bless her. I love her so much. I I will get back uh, to cleaning now. Later, Milos. Boy, oh boy. I just wrestled the microphone out of my hand. <laughs> we gotta we gotta put a lock on that door. <laughs> we really we really gotta amp up security in here. You know what? When a man loves, the heart wants what it wants, right? And. Clearly, he wants Gagina. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say this. I'm on board with that about Carla Gagino because I think she's wonderful, and I think she's a ray of sunshine in this movie, <laughs> acting-wise. Yep, yep. Or as, Honestly, or as they said in uh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, she's an island of reality in an ocean of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, though, like in Sucker Punch, she was probably the best performance. In this movie, she's definitely the best performance, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, grounded, even. It's the most subtle, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so she comes in. She's talking to the Secretary of Defense. You don't really hear anything real well. Uh, but then all of a sudden, gunshots. <laughs> the Secretary of Defense has been ki- has been shot. And uh, uh, Carlo Gugino gets, uh, gets winged, or whatever. And the cage uh, drags her down out of the way. Uh, he We do get a little subtle thing where he looks up at the ring and the boxer that has been quote-unquote knocked out is very quick to recover uh, well actually no he gets he out. gets caught not selling because he's supposed to yeah. be knocked out yeah that's what i mean like he like yeah quote-unquote knocked out he lifts his head though pretty quickly when the gunshots ring out nicholas cage is like wait a second I'm just trying to understand <laughs> just trying to understand i got fourteen thousand eyewitnesses pigeon technology <laughs> oh that's my favorite just pigeon technology although i'm gonna take i love the show but I have to take Saturday Night Live to task right now because my whole life, when uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon did the Nick Cage impression and he did the whole bitch and technology line, he did it like that, like you just did. But in this movie, Nick Cage simply says, "Bitch and technology, how yeah. dare you? How <laughs> dare you, SNL? I still yeah. Love you. <laughs> who 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 do you think you are using exaggeration to derive comedy? No, I don't. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just mad that they made me think my whole life that he yelled that line. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the Secretary of Defense has been shot. Yes. Um, Nick Cage does his best Sean Penn impression with a reporter. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> Knocks him the fuck out. Uh, it just <laughs> it seems excessive. 
Yeah. I mean, I know the guy's coming over trying to get a photo, but he could have just, like, smashed the camera or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, C- Cage uh, knocks him the fuck out. And... Um, I, okay, I wanted to mention, sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to mention, did anybody... Now, have you had you two either ever seen this movie before? I saw this movie in theaters. Okay, so you're old. What about you, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> And nope. Jason's farewell performance on the podcast. <laughs> um, I saw this once, okay, but I don't remember when. It okay. was like a long time ago. So I, I had never seen this movie up to this point. Now, I want to know if, if I will ask both of you if you had a similar reaction, if you remember the first time you saw it. When, when Gary Sinise gets up to w- go after that woman, and they walk out, and then the shot happens, and he gets hit, my immediate thought was, Gary Sinise did that. Yeah. Oh, that is like... The immediate thought that, was, Gary Sinise did that. That he's the villain? Yeah, immediately. Like, that was my immediate jump-to thought. And I thought, ooh, maybe they're going to fuck me over, and it's going to you know, it's gonna be like a swerve. And it's, No, it was exactly what I thought it was. <laughs> I'll say this. I, I, didn't, I didn't jump to that conclusion, but, I mean, it's, it was 98, so, I mean, I was younger and more naive then. Uh, when, they, when Nick Cage does start talking to him, and he gets all, like, you know, flop-sweaty and wormy, I was like, wait a minute, Gary Sinise <laughs> is not this way ever. Yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> ever. Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no alibi. <laughs> uh, but I, I did write down that someone referred to the Secretary of Defense's corpse as spaghetti. Yeah. No, no, he said yeah. I won't. I won't shoot the spaghetti in that yeah. he won't show shots of the internal organs. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's uh, that's Lou. Yes. Uh, Played by Kevin Dunn. Don't get confused. Oh, don't forget that at this point, though, we are now entering almost a, a real time type situation because uh nick cage uh, they kind of work out when the feds are going to be showing up or how long they have to hold them off before the big ones come down it's like about an hour hour and a half and yep. there's about an hour and a half left in the movie damn right hmm. uh <laughs> so first of all i want to say now i get how this eventually all connects that the boxer took a dive blah blah blah, blah. It, it, you know it's all downhill or it rolls downhill but for nick cage to start with that investigation <laughs> i think makes him one of the worst detectives ever. <laughs> well he is trying to he's trying to cover his buddy so i mean that's the only reason why he does it at first. yeah but i feel like at first i feel like right away he's trying to investigate this shooting but he, he starts off with hey uh, did you take a dive <laughs> well, I, I think this movie is, it points out that, that despite the fact that he does solve the case in this movie, he is not a good cop at all. No, he's terrible. <laughs> no, he's a corrupt cop, that's for oh. sure. But there's actually a, a good reason why he thinks that the guy would have taken a dive, because if you remember earlier in the movie, uh, when he's, at first, before he harasses Luis Guzman for, you know, five grand, or three grand, whatever, uh, he he's like, oh, Lincoln Taylor, he bets on his own fights? I'm like, as soon as I wrote that, I was like, this shit's fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm surprised that, like, that boxer was not played by someone I recognized. Like, I had no idea who that dude was. He's good? Yeah, he's fine, yeah. He's like been him. in stuff. Okay. I, I, just, like, thinking back to it, I don't know why, but, like, when I first watched it again long time ago, I remembered being like, oh, I think I recognized the dude who played the boxer, and then I watched it now, I was like, nope, no fucking clue. <laughs> I've seen him before, I don't, like, know what he's been in, but he's been in stuff. Oh man! So where are we here? So this is so this is when Cage is starting to uh, to get up in the uh, in the face of the, the uh, Tyler, the boxer. Mm-hmm. And I think am I am I skipping anything here? No, I don't think so. No. Well, no, he he does like he goes to he sees that it, the 
that the fight itself was fixed because he takes a look at the knockout punch from four different angles and sees that there was like a phantom punch as he calls it yeah and uh that there was no connection there was actually i have a note here wow that's john cena levels of light (laughs) fair (laughs) but um yeah yeah he's uh he sees that it's a phantom punch and he i think this is when he yeah he goes in and basically confronts him at this point uh, with his whole, like, posse in the room. And there is some quality Nick Cage overacting in this scene. Mm-hmm. You say he calls him, he calls him, uh, Lincoln for a while, because that's his first name, right? Mm-hmm. Lincoln Tyler. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, that's Mr. Tyler. And he's like, how about I call him Mr. T? He's a bad pony! <laughs> Wait, and, no, like when he beat Rocky Balboa. And, and fun fact, uh, the actor was in, uh, Rocky. Oh. The, yep, the, Stan, Stan Shaw played oh. Dipper in Rocky. Oh shit! So that's the little the little reference, little wink and a nod. Yeah, and I like how they're using some. They're kind of using some like uh, noir type. Uh, I don't know, speak or pacing because he's like he's a bad pony, right? There was a phantom punch. Like nobody talks like that. <laughs> also, also my other favorite one. This is a real stretch where that Nick Cage goes to. He says, "Are you gonna need a glass of water? Cause all the lying, your lip flapping, making that, making your lips dry, making that smacking sound, which Brendan loves." Yeah. loves oh, that sound but like that is such a stretch it's <laughs> not even like <laughs> oh my god when his lips making the smacking sound he's talking pretty damn quick mm. well it's just you know that it's more of his teeth really when because you, you gotta rub that little bit into your teeth and your gums cage is conservatively 75 percent teeth <laughs> <laughs> and the other 25 percent is cocaine <laughs> Are you gonna give a little to his uh, to his wig slash real hair? I'm not <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> I'm not the, sure. I never. Ninety eight. Has he gone full on by that point? <sighs> well, I mean, his hair is thinning in this movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it might be his real hair. Could be. Because I know in some movies it, it is. It's it's not Thunder and Paradise Hulk Hogan levels of fake hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Nick Cage's hair in like fucking uh, Season of the Witch or anything. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, he, yeah. He's got the he's got the he's got a great haircut. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so eventually he gets Tyler to break down, and then we get. I think this is kind of a cool thing. Is we get a POV of Tyler like explaining kind of his side of the of the of the story from earlier like yeah. it's it's kind of the same stuff that happened earlier but from his point of view and literally the camera is the boxer yeah which for most of that shot until after we see we see the 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 scene that pre- played out previously of him being like oh tyler yeah um then the camera swings around and then we see the boxer for the first time in that scene which is an interesting approach to it it is interesting approach it did throw me a bit though because i was like wait when is this taking place yeah well, they do that. They actually do that with a bunch of them too. Like when they do Gary Sinise's, when he, it, it's all camera shot POV. Mm-hmm. Because I actually have a oh, he's a Commander Hound Dog. <laughs> he's checking out the, the lady in red. Yeah, lady. she's dancing with him, cheek to cheek. Yeah, face to tit. They were uh, nice. They were nice. <laughs> Classy podcast. Yep, but. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. When, when it goes to the boxer's POV, I was just glad. I was worried this movie was going to turn into uh, Vantage Point. <laughs> where Yes, where you the see whole... the same movie over and over and over again from different angles. Uh-huh. 
Do you know what this movie reminds me of? Uh, a movie I watched recently uh, called... Uh, Vantage Point? No, not Vantage Point. Um, <laughs> called... Uh, it was that... Oh, shit. Why can't I... Um, the Agatha Christie movie. Oh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. I watched it, and I really liked it, but this had a similar approach where, yeah, you're seeing these things over and over again. Was Double Team like this, too? The Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Dennis Rodman, it was in, like, a hockey hockey arena? I don't think no, so. No, that's sudden The only reason death. I ask is because of the arena thing. Oh, like, su- I feel like in the 90s there was a lot of, like, action movies that, that had set pieces around arenas. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan's right. Sudden Death is the hockey Sudden one. Death, that's yeah, the Double one. Team is the one with the, where they get saved by a Coca-Cola machine. Ah, okay, yeah. clearly. Right, I got you. <laughs> and Mickey Rourke is the villain. Did, but, <laughs> did you catch that uh, he managed to uh, to shake Tyler down for uh, thirteen grand? Uh, who did? Nick Cage. Oh, he, oh, when he right. he's like, yeah, what do I have to? What do we? What kind of deal do we have to make? And he's like, oh, well, you know, give me the give me the ten grand that I put on you. Uh, he put five grand on him. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, another three, th- another three thousand for the embarrassment in the ring, and we'll call it even. So Nick Cage is, is uh, coming out ahead eight grand uh, <laughs> after his bet. Always conning people, always. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time. So yeah, so that's Tyler's explanation, and then he, and then he. Oh, get- and the Mexican boxer. He is not Muhammad Ali, but he wishes he was. Oh, he's the worst. Yeah. I hated that guy, and Come, he didn't have anything to do in the movie other than just, like, annoy that guy. Come on, old yep. man. Come on, old man. You can't hit me. What? <laughs> what? Huh? <laughs> it's the worst. But, uh, so so he explains here, uh, Tyler explains that this, again, like I said, we, we t- I talked about the guy not being able to hear that guy in the ring yelling from the crowd. Basically, he's in the ring. This guy yells out, here comes the pain. Again, it's not Brock Lesnar. And at that signal, he's supposed to take a phantom punch, go into the corner, and then I think take another punch and go down. Well, no, he's supposed to take a legit punch, but he uh, he was so into it that he, he, I don't know, pulled or something like that and didn't realize that the guy didn't make... Uh, contact, and that's yeah. when he started selling. Yeah, so he he goes down, and of course that's when the shooting begins or whatever. Um, we find out a little a little clue here that the redhead was the one who told him to take the dive. Yep. Or at least delivered the 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 message about when to do it and how to do it. How, what the cue would be. Yeah. Yeah. So right away we're like, hmm, something fishy is afoot. Ooh. But don't worry, because we get the reveal real soon. So, <laughs> uh, then we get, I think at this point we get uh, Gary Sinise's version of the scene. Which was explained in Logan's run. <laughs> what? what is with that room that they're in? It's like, the, oh. rest of the, hotel, the rest of the place looks like a hotel or an arena or even a casino. But whenever they go to like, it's supposed to be uh, John Hurd's office, it looks like a room that they would have used in like Logan's Run or Equilibrium or something. <laughs> it's really futuristic and whatnot. Yeah. By the way, speaking of John Hurd, just for a second, did you guys notice his like body movements and mannerisms and stuff? He's doing Trump. I did not notice that. I did not know that. He's not doing it vocally, but if you watch just, like, the way he moves, he I even, like, looked it up after, and sure enough, John Hurt said he was his body mannerisms and stuff were inspired by Donald Trump. Gross. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to play a guy who heads up a casino that's, shif- that's shifty and crooked... And in Atlantic yeah. City. Who's the be- you know, what, what better person to imitate? That's right. <laughs> yep, no, it's spot on. Uh, John John Hurt is, is, is caging it up in this movie, too. <laughs> He's really <laughs> over the top. Uh, so yeah, Dunn, or I'm not going to say Kevin Dunn, Gary Sinise, 
uh, is talking about his side of the story. He follows the red-headed woman. Uh, like you said, Nathan stares at her tits, gets distracted. Uh, then he takes down the shooter, who is just some random uh, Middle Eastern terrorist. <laughs> well, according to him, anyways. Dun, dun, dun! There is a yeah. bin in the guy's name, so you know he's a real bad dude. <laughs> <The> bin! <laughs> It's it's true. <laughs> and the, the thing is, like, at this point, and, and this is one of those things that kind of makes the movie itself dated, where uh, it, they're talk. Nick Cage is talking about how this whole thing is a conspiracy, and uh, Gary Sinise says something along the lines of, "You just can't go out there uh, talking about conspiracies because that's the first sign that you're a lunatic." And it's like, no, you just yeah. get a radio show nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Now now you get a now, job on Fox News. Yeah, now you just become Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Um, yeah, yeah, so he's he's confronting him. And then, of course, we get... Uh, now, I think... Do we get... Yes, yeah, so th- at this point, guys, we get the reveal. Yeah. The, the twist, and it's 42 minutes into this movie. <laughs> this hour and 38 minute movie mm-hmm. that Gary Sinise is... The mastermind behind it all. No! He was my best friend! <laughs> He's such an honorable sailor. Yeah, and he kills those two and he gets demoted to Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, who does he Who does he kill? He kills... Uh, kills the redhead. Redhead and... And, 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 and here, here comes Lesner. the pain. And not Brock Lesnar. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, he and who says him. I've been shot? I've been shot like five times. Yeah, asswipe. He's the one who shot you. That was fantastic. <laughs> I wrote down, "You shot me. I've been shot. I've been shot." <laughs> Some great improv acting. <laughs> I hope that wasn't written on the page. <laughs> I've been shot. I've been shot. I've been shot. I'm, okay, I got this. I'm shot. I'm dead. You've killed me. It's I over. Just, I, I see the see light. Amping himself up in his trailer for. Okay, this is my big scene today. I've been shot. 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 They, they, oh, oh, Charlie, what are you doing with your career? I'd like to think that Brian De Palma made him say, "I've been shot like 180 times," and he used like five of the best. <laughs> He's not Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Wait, are you positing the theory that Stanley Kubrick is not Brian De Palma? They're the same person, I swear. <laughs> yeah, this is a conspiracy, Jason. People it's, are going to think it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> Holy fuck! Anyhow, so now he's killed those two. They're going to be Universal Soldiers. <laughs> yes, prequel. And uh, we get them. And oh, the uh, the dude from Malcolm in the Middle is yes! uh, there. Which, I wait. saw him and recognized that guy. I'm like, who the fuck? And when I finally looked it up, I'm like, oh, okay, it all makes sense. Now. Wait, which guy? The the dude with the glasses, Ned Campbell. The character's name is, I think. <gasps> yeah, I just called him Bobo Wayne Knight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was on. I, I think he was on the uh, Ellen DeGeneres sitcom, and he was also on Malcolm in the Middle. He was the fat guy on well, Malcolm in the Middle. Well, yeah, he, part, he was the one who was in love with Lois. The, the, this. Oh yes, I remember that now. Uh, but this part of the movie is actually one of the more like gripping parts yeah. to me again because Carla Gugino is doing a fine job but basically mm-hmm. when she went down uh, and got shot in the arm she lost her glasses so she literally there's there's shots where everything's blurry and she can't see she's bumping into people uh, but she decides to try to seduce uh, Bobo Wayne Knight so she can uh, get in his room and basically hide from everyone for a while until everyone's kind of out of there 
we don't know why yet, but we're assuming she's not the villain anymore now that we know that Gary Sinise is the villain. Don't run past the part where uh, the dude was playing his pocket change on the jack or the <laughs> the roulette machine. No, not roulette. The slots. One arm bandit. Yeah, the slots. And he uh, he he's like, yeah, no, no, we'll go to my room. I just want to play the the remaining quarters in my pocket. And he, said, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, look at that. He got the jerk <laughs> the jerk pot. <laughs> Uh, so while this is happening, this is also kind of like, I think the scene is kind of thrilling too, because you got Gary Sinise, uh, going after them and also, uh, Nick Cage, like oh. for different reasons, obviously. Yeah. And the casino security guy is a better detective than most of the other people in this movie. Uh, the casino security guy, AKA one of my favorite parts of Dumb and Dumber. Yes. <laughs> the man who, uh, the hit man. Yeah, Mike Starr, the guy who, yeah, chokes on the uh, rat poison. Yes, that yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> because he's he finds out where the dude from Malcolm in the Middle is, is staying, not by uh, watching the security camera on the elevator, but by checking out when he the, he showed his ID at the bar, uh, he zoomed in and got the name and then found out what room he was staying in. Yeah, exactly. He, he's doing he's doing detective work. Great detective work on his part. <laughs> uh, so she get, she gets into the room with the guy. Uh, she reveals to him like, "Listen, I'm sorry. I had to do. I had to get you up here this way, but I I just need to stay in this room." He is handsy and presumptuous at first. Oh, he full on kisses her. Yeah, and then and then yeah, she need, I just need a second. Sits down. He's like, "Well, all right," and then starts undoing his pants like she's gonna go down on him at his crotch <laughs> level. And he's like, "Blowjob, oh, all right? We go. <laughs> well, we can go. We can go this way." <laughs> but my question, uh, I'm wondering too. There's a weird scene leading up to that where they're in the elevator with Gary Sinise also there, but he doesn't recognize her because she doesn't have, uh, uh, she doesn't have the wig or the glasses. But also, yeah. I don't think he really knows what she looks like. Maybe. Oh no! Well, he knows, he, no, he, he, he does. We find out yeah. later that he did. He did make her uh, when she was in the crowd. But like you yeah. said, she doesn't have the blonde wig or the glasses on anymore. It was at this point in the movie where they started using some of that really cool um, uh, camera work slash built set works because they they pan over across uh, a bunch of rooms. Like there's just one room, and then there's the room with the dude bros who are having their keg party, and they keep scanning, and then they we end up in their room. And I was like, man, you don't see that too often in, in movies these days. Where they they would have had to build a set for that. Yeah, that really stood out to me and looked really cool, and, you know, and I really like that. I I will say I also think it looked really cool. However, that to me was just like Brian De Palma masturbating yeah. for a minute. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> like, look what I could do. But I but I enjoyed. I the think the word you're the looking table. for is signature, Brandon. <laughs> I think the word I was looking for was masturbate. You're the worst. It's a hey, it's a hell of a shot. I just don't think it has anything to do with the rest. And it's of good the for movie. your prostate. <laughs> At this point, where she's she's like, no, we're not we're not doing this, and he gets like he gets super upset, puts his ring back on, and uh, is like, you know, what? I I am happily married. Clearly, you're not because <laughs> you were just about to get it on with some rando in a freaking at a hotel in Atlantic City. Also, in one of the rooms, uh, this girl was like laying laying there like half naked, and the guy starts <laughs> like blowing on her tummy. 
Yeah, he calls it a hurricane. That's not a hurricane. That's a motorboat at the <laughs> at most. And it, well, yeah, and wouldn't it be a motorboat between the boobs? I don't think it'd be a motorboat. Usually, yeah, the but I, it's I guess more of a raspberry. It's a rat, there you go. There we go. Raspberry. Yep. Like what? Like that was kind of deeply disturbing to me because I was like, "That's what you do with like, yeah, that's what you baby. do with like a, a baby, like yeah. a child." <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how high you are. <laughs> it's true. It's I guess true. so. The guy did seem like he was older than the woman, so maybe maybe it is his child. This was its own self-contained mini-story that Brian De Palma put into the movie that we all had to look for. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that he has like 34 pages for each character in those rooms. <laughs> so we're in the hotel room at this point. Have we got to the point yet where people are coming in and out of the room, and I think it's the Ned Campbell character who goes, uh, oh, he, what does he say? He says, what do you think this is, a bus stop? <laughs> yeah, because that, that's what catches Gary Sinise's ear. But Nicolas Cage comes in, and he try, he's trying to save uh, Carla Gugino, and... Yep. Uh, it kicks out uh, Wayne Knight, not, and uh, <laughs> Bubba Wayne Knight. He, yeah, he's he's storming up and down the uh, the hallway, all upset because some guy broke. And he he sees Gary Sinise in his like naval uniform, like thinks he's like I don't know a cop Hotel or security. security. Yeah, real it's life. Like, I don't work here, lady. Moment. It's like he's clearly in the navy. Fuckhead. He doesn't work in a hotel. <laughs> I love that he leads that. This guy. He just broke into my room. I was writing a letter to my lovely wife. Like <laughs> he's not gonna tell your wife. Calm down. <laughs> he could have literally just said I was fucking a prostitute. And like, yeah, he wouldn't have cared. He's no. in the Navy! How of all people wouldn't have cared if he was fucking a prostitute? Yeah. <laughs> the Whoa. whole hook scandal was all about, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, guys, be careful. We have a lot of naval listeners. <laughs> Not I well, yeah. We oh, on the East Coast because there's no Navy presence in Wyoming. No, fuck Wyoming. <laughs> as long as they take a minute to stop cornholing each other and pay attention, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> I love you, Navy guys. You're doing God's work out there. Any port in a storm, right? That's right. So, <laughs> hey. De Palma loves sp- split screen, by the way, too. Yes, and this is actually where we get the her side of everything, and where we find out that oh, Gary Sinise is not as he seems, even though we've already known that for a while now. That's the thing. If we had not known that Gary Sinise was the villain at this point, right, and yeah. we had just gotten scenes of Sneeze and Cage going after the girl for similar reasons, mm-hmm. we would think, and we didn't even see Sinise killing the other two people. Like, it would just add more, way more suspense. Yeah. yeah, I think I I think what De Palma is doing, obviously De Palma, one of his biggest idols is Hitchcock, and I think you notice that big time in a lot of his movies. But like one of the things Hitchcock always did was he, in a lot of his movies, he revealed the villain early, mm. but it was because he wanted the suspense to be about just what would happen after that, not necessarily just people trying to guess who the who the villain is. Not that, that, not the Shyamalan twist. He wanted people to actually understand sort of thing. Yeah, like, this is who yeah. the villain is. That's not what this is about. The movie is about, you know, uh, what happens from this point on. And I get that for Hitchcock. It makes sense. For this movie, I feel like it works against it. Yeah, because the whole thing has got a very... It's got a, like I said, like a neo noir type thing that they're that they're going for, and the reveal would have been better suited here, yeah. closer to the end than you know ha- less than halfway into the movie. Right, agreed, a hundred percent. Jason, you think so too? Yes, I, I would agree. I, I think, yeah, exactly. If, if that reveal had been later, it would might, might have actually been more shocking, and if they'd had more like 
like kind of false reveals or, or you know like say it was, oh it's this guy and then no it's not this guy oh it's this guy no it's not this guy oh it's Gary Sinise I knew it at the beginning and now it's true <laughs> I would have liked the, uh, the reveal the twist and then the twist again where Nick Cage was like just kidding it was me it was me, it was me. It was me, me all, all along Kevin Dunn <laughs> it's me Alston I'm in the TV I'm in your TV let me out like it just goes all meta what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> the cage just burst through your okay. TV. It was directed by Brian De Palma, not David Lynch or David Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, in, in an alternate universe. Brian oh. De Palma, however, did direct Scarface, so you know he probably knows something about cocaine. That's true. <laughs> I, I I like that uh at this point when we get when he's she's telling him all of what's going on and how it's like oh surprise your friend for life is a crooked son of a bitch who killed somebody. He gets mad at her. Yeah, furious. And it's not her fault that yeah. Kevin's more crooked than he is. Well, and this is the thing: the only thing that makes him turn into a good guy, quote unquote, is because he literally can't not be that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like he's like, well, there's there's just no on earth, there's no earthly way that Gary Sinise is not the villain now. I mm. guess I have to help you. Mm. Yeah, he totally just doesn't believe any word she says once she says something about his friend. You're a woman! Until, <laughs> yeah, until she's like, uh, maybe I was mistaken. Uh, my glasses came off and this, and then he's like, no, your glasses came off after the shot, and it's like, that like really, that's, that's what it took? Oh, god damn it! You are right, woman! Oh! <laughs> But he also literally tells her before they start talking, he's like, I'm your cop. And then immediately turns on her the minute she tells him what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something You're about Kevin Dunn. Cop. Let me tell you something about Kevin Dunn. He's an honorable man. <laughs> Needs his teeth fixed, but he's an honorable man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Gary Sinise. He's wonderful. <laughs> so, this is, uh, uh, so, so Cage at this point, he's like, he, he basically locks her in a room. Yeah. He just yeah. like, oh, you stay here. And we get a villain. We get a bit of a villain conference where uh, John Hurd and Gary Sneezer are, are talking, and uh, Hurd's like, "We got a, a, we have like a Columbo running around here." And I was like, "How old is this movie?" <laughs> well, people in 1998 were fresh off watching Columbo, right? Yeah. Oh my god! If they did just made a Mannix reference, it would have been even better. Yeah, I, I would love it if this was a script Brian De Palma wrote in like the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> just like. <laughs> And he's like, he just forgot to take out that one Columbo <laughs> reference. <laughs> but yeah, and I think this is really where we... I think this is also like the first thing we realized that that guy's crooked too. Like the, the John Hurd character. Mm. And he goes full Trump in this scene. Like this is the scene I was talking about where he's just like... he he's His shoulders don't move, but his arms move. You know what I mean? Like just the whole mm-hmm. like... The very like stilted movements. Yeah. It's very, very Trumpian. <laughs> um... And, and we find out that he's the one, kind of, with the with the whole missile thing. Yeah. Uh, should we even like? Little can we talk about the missiles man. for a sec? Yeah. Let's can talk, we talk about let's, this. Let's talk briefly about like what the actual missile thing is. I just I just want to okay. So if if it's I'm actually, remembering this correctly, uh, he the the whole reason for this whole thing is because Gary Sinise uh, uh, wants to make sure because there was an attack on a ship that he was on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that all naval vessels in future have a point defense system that is able to take out incoming missiles. Now, this right. is a very, very specific uh, uh, motivation 
for this character. Like, I, I was thinking about it. It's like, you, you watch these movies and, and you think, oh, it's like, oh, well, they want to do this because they want to get this contract and, and with the Navy and everybody's going to make all this money and it's all very broad. But this is very specific. That it has to be point defense systems that don't even work, but will eventually work, right? Uh, I mean, and, and it gives his character a little bit of, uh, like, you know, you feel for him because, you know, it's his buddies, right? He wants to cover his buddies' backs. It's just, it feels so overly specific, for this type of movie, am I crazy? No, I mean, again, it's 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 De Palma. So yeah. I mean, I I can see that. I and I it I, as a way to, like you said, humanize him. So yeah. it's not like he's not it's not all bad. He's not all bad. He's not all doing it for hmm. for fame and money and stuff like that. He actually wants to make a difference uh, with the Navy that you know, clearly he you know loves to death. Yeah, figuratively and literally. I don't don't know what it is though, but it's just it was that that specificity that that got to me in a way because I mean, and it's like I say, it's cool and then it humanizes them. It's just I don't remember a movie that had such a specific objective, like uh, for the for the villain of the of the piece. Like it it just yeah, it's very specific. And we should note we should note so so that is the crux of it. Also, Carlo Gugino's character was basically a numbers cruncher for. for the government, I guess, and she noticed that all these tests were coming back one hundred percent positive for Powell because Powell is the one right. who is there. He's the government contractor who's developing this for the government, right? So she, but she was finding out that all these tests were coming back one hundred percent positive, and she says that never happens. So she said someone is obviously doctoring these. So she sent, so she contacted anonymously, emailed the Secretary of Defense, uh, and he wanted to meet her here at the fights. So she could give him the documents, which I'm just going to say, maybe not the best place to do it in the front fucking row. <laughs> well, it's wherever like, he's sitting, right? Well, I no, mean... but he could have he gone up to get go to the bathroom or something or, you know, just like anywhere else. Well, and it's like she didn't know that Gary Sinise was going to take off after that redhead. Yeah. So it was just a fluke that there happened to be an open seat there that she was able to kind of cram herself into and, and tell him. Like, it's, she couldn't have planned I... that. No, and that's it. She saw her. She saw her opening and yeah. and took it. We come to find out later that it was part of the setup to leave that space open so that whoever was supposed to meet him would oh, be okay. able to meet him because they kind of knew somebody was supposed to be meeting with them. You obviously were paying closer attention than I was. <laughs> but you guys I watched it sober end this morning. So, <laughs> um, I do. I do think though that this movie does operate on a lot of uh, 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 very conve- uh, conveniences. Mm-hmm. so to speak though mm-hmm. like even even if that was set up there's still a lot of things that's like oh isn't it convenient that that person happened to end up at that place at that time you know what i mean like it's just it, it, it's it's a bit much at times hey um, it's it's not on like it's not like saw levels of that no 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 also did you feel okay we're getting we're getting to the to the basically the finale coming up pretty soon here but i just want to mention Nicholas Cage and Gary Sinise's characters, did you feel like they ever would be friends? No. No. Mm. How could they be? I, d- I, I mean, unless they were, like, buddies as kids. Like, I just well, they were. Their personalities okay. were not, like... I don't know. They didn't seem, like, simpatico. <laughs> yeah, they, they they strike me... Well, so they were friends as kids. Then that makes more sense, because they're clearly very different people. I mean, yeah. Gary Sinise, for whatever his villainous motivations in the movie, his motivations are not impure. 
Like, he has a good reason for what he wants to do, whereas Nicolas Cage is kind of a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, he's a piece Not of shit. Not kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. And in comparison, Gary Sinise's character is a stand-up, you know, decorated naval officer, so... Who yeah. makes a really bad decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a weird, weird combo of the two. I did like the when they went, when he kind of, Nick Cage kind of figures out, oh, there was another camera that nobody knew about. That was, oh, that pissed me <laughs> off. And it's like, it's literally an eye in the sky. <sighs> so he goes and they get uh, the videotape proof. Again, this movie is older than dust. <laughs> We've got videotape proof. Yeah. Uh, Columbo is mentioned. There is a flip cell phone. A gold one. And, uh, yeah, a gold one. And pay-per-view boxing was a draw. <laughs> 1998, ladies and gentlemen. Now, yes. also, along with that scene with the technology, we have to mention the fact that... Um, I, know, I don't know if you've ever erased a videotape, but I've never hit a button and then watched the screen start to go fuzzy and say erasing as it slowly <laughs> fades out yeah. from existence. Now, yeah, that's, that's that might be high-tech shit in 1998 that we just never got as consumers, but it doesn't seem doesn't seem realistic to me. De Palma has well, a Jason, lot of stock in the VC, VHS get, market. Yeah, and Jason, you get that when you work with bitchin' technology. That's right. That's right. I just don't have access to bitchin' technology. Right. <laughs> So and this is where we 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 but this is where we get the big reveal about why Gary Sneese is doing this and he's like yeah. have you and because he was on a, a ship that was attacked he had to give the order to seal like the the engine area and there were 28 guys who were in the uh, in the engine rooms when it happened and he asked did you ever have you ever heard a man drowning and I really want Nicholas the Cage go say well you know once but because <laughs> they worked as lifeguards. <laughs> Wait, what? They worked as lifeguards together. They oh, said I that just... earlier in their movie. They, <laughs> worked, they worked as lifeguards, and he was uh, he was well, the one time. <laughs> Gary Sinise would have to carry uh, like all the stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, and you were always under the pier with some jailbait." <laughs> I will. I will be honest. Some of that dialogue at the beginning was so quick and like uh, rapid fire. I missed a little bit of it. <laughs> Do you know what it sounds like when a man drowns? Snake eyes. <laughs> They do say not, snake eyes at this and point. Then they, uh, I got up the palm is like, cut, not yet, not <laughs> yet. <laughs> but Brian, I just want to say snake eyes. When do I get to say snake eyes? Okay, it, we'll it's in the get to it. <laughs> it's, but it's the title of the goddamn movie. We'll get to it, Nick. You're on TV. Where's my gold cell phone? <laughs> uh, and then we find out that, you know, that the boxer is now, he's been bought off for it. And uh, this is where we get the the title, but not from Nick Cage. Gary Sinise stepped on his line. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, nothing. Yet yeah. Snake Eyes, the house wins. Well, because what happens here is we should mention Gary Sinise offers Nick Cage a way in. He says, yes. "Just tell me where the girl is, and I'll give you a million dollars." And and Nick Cage is like, I, "I've done a lot of things, but I've never never murder." And then it's like, oh, you never done yeah. murder, you corrupt motherfucker. I guarantee you he's murdered people. He's offering him money, and he looks down and has a change of heart because he sees literal blood, blood money. money. Yes! <laughs> Fucking Brian De Palma took that metaphor and smacked you in the face as hard as he could. Yeah, you like that bitch? If only, if only the money that he had dropped, instead of being like a bill covered in blood, it had been like 30 pieces of actual silver. <laughs> <laughs> And a, and a picture that says, like, welcome to Uganda or something. 
<laughs> do you Brian De Palma comes on the screen. He's like, "Do you get it? You got it. Do you understand?" <laughs> okay, back to the movie. <laughs> also, by the way, I gotta say, Snake Eyes was a bad name for this movie because Horrible until name. until I saw this movie mere days ago, I had always assumed that this was like rounders, but instead of poker, it was fucking scraps. And and, and Nicholas well, Cage was when like I... some degenerate gambler, which he is, but. When I had movie. seen the, the the ads for the movie years ago, I remember seeing it and and figuring, okay, it's a it's a mystery, and it takes place in a casino. I really figured the casino would factor in a lot, uh, a lot more heavily yeah. than it did for them to name the friggin' movie Snake Eyes. <laughs> it should have been called There He Is. Is are, yeah, well, there you go. Are all Brian De Palma movies? Are, are the titles of all Brian De Palma movies lines within the movie? Like in Scarface, maybe I don't remember. Does Al Pacino be like, "You see this? This is a Scarface." Is that where, where did you get those scars, eating pussy? <laughs> or or the TV version, eating water, eating cantaloupe, eating, eating cantaloupe. <laughs> no, you don't get a scar like this eating cantaloupe, man. In all fairness, they do say carry quite a few times during carries. That's true. That's true. Very true. I think, I think they get a pass at that one. <laughs> Why do they keep saying the title of the movie? It's so cheesy when they do that. Whoa, my 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 memory's all fuzzy. It's almost like I had a blowout. <laughs> oh, Worthy and, and Brian Brian De Palma is just off screen slapping his knee and biting his <laughs> finger about how brilliant and genius he is. Guys, they just said the title of my movie in the movie. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do another take. Let's do another take. <laughs> So, Nick Cage has refused to buy in and just right. gets an ass whooping. Oh, by, uh, yeah, like Tyler, like you said, who has, I guess, joined up with Gary Sneeze now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, after, the, after the ass whooping, Gary Sneeze puts a spider tracker on him. Yeah. Did, 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 we, see, did we see him do that, or do we just know because I, he looks I, at his device I later? I think we did because I think he, he, like, slapped him on the back or something. Like it was, No, it was he like, actually grabs the back of, like, the back of his coat and, yes. and puts it on. Oh, okay. And while, while he's talking to him, it looks like he's trying to position him to move him or something, but you can see that he's putting something on his back. Okay. I was reminded of the scene in Star Trek VI where Spock kind of puts the tracker on the back of uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, I was thinking of, that was what I thought of, just like of like a, a subtle hand at the back, but no, he actually grabs him, right? Jesus. Yeah, that yeah. scene. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> a poor Tamaratuni who has to go back out into the rain. So, um, uh, yeah, so this is the big finale. So he's got the tracker on him. So Nick Cage is gonna go try to find Carla, who again he locked in a room. Yes, he's trying to find Julia, Julia. <laughs> in. In this fucking, and we'll get to this later to explain this, but in this fucking steel tube thing that that we never really see and is never really referred to until after the fact when you see it in, you see like a, like a, uh, an artist's impression of like a drawing of it. Uh, and, and then Nicolas Cage does that, that walk down that tube, like that injured walk, like he's like Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid 4 near the end of that game where he's like crawling down, just injured as fuck. And it and it seems overly dramatic, but I'd like to think Hideo Kojima was inspired by that, specifically Snake Eyes. <laughs> and and Gary Sinise is like cautiously following behind him. Um, however, keeping his distance. However, Cage clearly could see his shadow with the gun, like right in front of him the whole time. Whenever the lightning strikes. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, on the outside, uh, the boulder or not a boulder, but like the big like. Um, 
what do you call yeah, it? The, the, the ball. It's the ball. a sphere, a yeah. globe, if you will. Yeah, that was on top of the building, has fallen off, and is now rolling, uh, causing arriving cops to crash through the building where <laughs> Carla Gugino was was hiding. Uh, yeah. And Kevin, uh, Kevin Dunn, I keep wanting to say Kevin Dunn, Gary Sinise has... Uh, is about to shoot her, but then the cops come and start to uh, tell him to put his gun down. However, there's no way out, guys. He kills himself by shooting himself through the chest. Yeah, well, through the heart, I think, based so on... No, I... Eff- effective. I guess that, like, <laughs> that would also kill you. I'm not disagreeing, but... I, I don't know. It's weird, like, to not I, just I, do it through the They head. might have done it possibly to try to save the rating, too. But it's rated yeah, R. That, well, that, but they wanted it to be PG-13 at some point, and it That's didn't... Uh... Did they say fuck in this movie? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I'm yeah. not watching it again to find out. <laughs> you did run past the, the part where we get the title again. <gasps> oh, well, actually, hold on, because I want to play this. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, so... Again, since Gary Sinise, since Gary got to say it, I'm gonna say it too. This is Gary Sinise. He's getting uh, the cops are there. He's trying to get Nick Cage on board with him. After all they've been through, he's like, "Hey, back me up, eh?" <laughs> and uh, this is what happens. Snake eyes. <laughs> yeah, because he's got a swollen cheeks from the beating. He's fucked. He was so, really fucked. At this point, I wrote down that Kevin Dunn reports on the death of Kevin Dunn. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, I wonder how he felt about that. <laughs> well, the thing is, I looked it up because I was like, that is such a weird like coincidence. And apparently it was a total coincidence. Literally, okay. the character got named Kevin Dunn. And then the actor Kevin Dunn just got hired to play a part. Yeah. I saw I saw a bit of trivia. I think on the IMDb it mentioned that uh, he had because of that confusion they put Kevin Dunn up in this really sweet hotel room, like this awesome suite. And then it turns out that no, that it actually was for Gary Sinise, and they had mixed him up because of the name. So then he had to go stay in a chain hotel. Oh, uh, uh, that's too bad. Wow, it's man, I'm doing well on this movie. Holy shit! Man, I, was, I didn't think I my part was that living. big. So guys, I'm gonna argue right here. The movie should have ended here. Yes. Without all the postscript stuff. I didn't like the postscript stuff. I thought that feels to me like reshoot stuff. Yes. But it's, it's, I think it's, it's De Palma. There has to be, like, if you're dealing with a bad guy who's even, even though he's doing good stuff, there has to be something that shows that he gets something of a comeuppance. I wouldn't mind it if he got something of a comeuppance, but do it in that scene. Like, I don't need another five minutes of nonsense. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I thought actually one of my favorite lines came out of this uh, this whole thing where they're like, well, hey, and what about the cocaine? Co- cocaine, cocaine, my ass. And I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, <keistering. laughs> so so Nick Cage, basically, um, they hail him as a hero. He's, yep. a, he's a hero for saving the day. But he's then so we, proud. Yeah. Still crooked, but proud. <laughs> but then, of course, we after a few more scenes, uh, a montage, we see that... Uh, since he's in the public eye so much now, they've discovered his corrupt ways, stuff that he's done in the past, and I think they say he's going to do like a year and a half in prison. Yeah, a year and a half for a complete disgrace? That's a pretty good deal. He got time off for 
uh, for killing Gary Sinise. Well, I mean, he's clearly he's clearly uh, uh, corrupt to some extent because he's driving. I mean, I don't know if he got the Corvette after this all happened. <laughs> but, it was a Ferrari or a Ferrari, but I don't think that you can afford that sort of car on a cop salary. <laughs> well, they even make mention earlier what paying uh, being a cop pays yeah. six figures now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You I see coupons. <laughs> <laughs> Just like being a teacher, we make the same. <laughs> so, uh, K- uh, Carla Gucci. Okay, so this is an interesting thing. So, guys, uh, do either of you know what the alternate ending was to this movie? I, I read a, about it. Okay. There was an alternate ending? Yeah, yes. so the alternate okay. ending, uh, the, you know the big storm is happening outside the whole time. Yeah. The alternate ending was that instead of them just getting out and then ending, the storm actually destroys the entire casino. Oh, okay. No, and I didn't. So I believe there was a scene that was supposed to be there where Nicolas Cage would have been underwater because at some point yep. he goes, I almost drowned. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking oh, about? Yeah, where he's like, I, I was, I had a dream, like, I have a dream where I'm back in that tunnel underwater. Yep. And it's a reference to the alternate ending, but they didn't take that line out. <laughs> um, Which but, is a shame because, I mean, they ADR'd a bunch of other stuff in this movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is all recorded on location. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so he he makes that reference. So that's just a little thing. And in the background, you can actually see them constructing the building again. Oh well, that actually, yeah, I mean, and that actually comes into play during the the whole credits. Yeah, yeah, the whole credits. Oh, you watched through the whole credits? Oh, I watched through the whole. I credits. did okay. because I wanted to see where that was going, and I I I, I figured out where it was going. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Carlo Gugino meets up with them as he's standing there smoking. By yes. the way, Nicolas Cage smokes like a chimney a lot in this movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Stopping international conspiracy is stressful, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that happens before he stops international conspiracy. Okay. Well, being <laughs> I, I, I a, a crooked Atlantic City cop is, is stressful, guys. I think the smoking was also to show how bad of a guy he was, because this is 1998 by this point, so smoking isn't cool anymore. So I think that really hammers <laughs> borderline on how evil, much the scumbag actually. he is. is yeah. Borderline evil, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Carla Gugino, when she walks up to him and starts thanking him, I actually wrote down... Carla, stay away! Far away! <laughs> I was like, Carla, you should be... He should be thanking you for being in this movie. Because <laughs> she, like... Because she's like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, my wife left, and my kid left, and my mistress left, and I'm going to jail. And she's like, kiss me. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. Let's 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 do this right. Because first, he, uh, she, she asks, um, uh, you know, if he's, if he's staying... If he's staying... If he's going to be moving. And he goes, no... But I'll I'll be spending some, I'll be spending some time at a place upstate. <laughs> Reference the fact that he's going to jail. Yep. Second, uh, she asked, uh, "Do you got a wife?" She ran away. Do you have a girlfriend? She ran away too. <laughs> but I suppose it's not all bad. Oh, why is that? They could have ran off together, like with each other. <laughs> so, like, because you know, lesbians, right? God forbid. Ew, <laughs> that's a funny joke in 1998. So dated, so dated this movie. One more, just, you know, we haven't gotten any homophobia yet, Nick. Can you throw something in? <laughs> cool. But, but I'll it's tell you. A... Sorry, go ahead. go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say, it's like Dolph Lundgren when he did uh, Universal Soldiers. Like, Dolph, we, we haven't had you use the G word yet. Uh, we know you're a Vietnam vet, so you really need to use it at least once in this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. I wanted to say, though, the most unrealistic thing is uttered in, in, I think, near the end of this movie, in this scene, possibly, where there, where he asks her about, like, everything that had gone down with the weapon system and everything, and she goes, uh, what was the line? I think it was something along the lines of, uh, things have changed. 
That's the most unrealistic thing, that things would have changed in the government. No, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have changed at all. They would have swept it under the rug, and they would have contracted somebody else to build something similar, and we would have gone through all this shit again in Snake Eyes 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Snake Eyes 2, back in the habit. That's right. <laughs> so that, that uh, so yeah, construction, well, let's talk about the credits then. What, what is revealed at the very end as the construction crew is build, rebuilding this casino, uh, Nathan? Well, there's a, uh, at the end of it, there's a, a, a ruby... Like someone's ring, uh, because earlier in the the movie they poured somebody into a concrete pillar. That's right. So you had to sit through the entire credit sequence with the most literal theme song I've heard in a long time. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> just just so you could reveal and see that somebody's you know ring jewel was was poking out of the concrete. Oh yeah, wasn't it the uh, the fake redhead? Probably. I'm pretty sure that's who yeah. it was. I can't see uh, Here Comes the Pain guy yeah. having a ring like that. <laughs> but I guess the question is with that, too. is Was that just meant to be like a little like, oh, here we go. Like just a little like reference to what had happened in the movie? Or was it trying to set up some sort of weird sequel? You know what? It, it I mean, it could also be a reference to, the, like, to uh, what might have happened in the alternate ending where it, none of the stuff kind of gets really revealed about what really, really went on. You know, she survives and gets to say that, hey, the missile defense system doesn't work. Nick Cage gets jammed up for being corrupt, but none of the other stuff kind of comes out because they can't prove the conspiracy because, like you said, the whole building was demolished and everybody's dead. There's no bodies or anything like that. But, oh, wait, there's a body in that pillar. <laughs> Can I just say um, my thinking on why he would have done the original ending of a, of the storm wiping everyone out is <laughs> just like doing God's work of saying, like, these are all awful people. They're just all dead now. The end. <laughs> They've been cleansed. A literal, a literal deus ex machina. <laughs> and then Noah comes out, and he's like, let's go, guys. Let's do this. All right, you and you. Come on, I need Dewey's. All right, I'll take Carlo Gugino, and that's it. Bye. <laughs> so that was Snake Eyes. Snake mm-hmm. Eyes. <laughs> that's the theme song. The snake right? Eyes and the real Snake Eyes. Oh, that's a shout-out to you, Izzy. Yeah. Uh, Nathan. Uh, yes, Brandon. I think it's time for a little haiku. Uh, a low haiku, if you will. Are you saying hello to haiku? No, a uh, a low haiku. Yes. Actually, um, little trivia about the low haiku. I believe it started. With Jason's previous episode, oh, Pearl the, Harbor, uh, right? Yes. Appropriately enough, I wish you'd reminded me because I would have mm. written one for this episode. I apologize, Jason. Thank you, Brendan. Um, but if you feel like uh, you know, just throwing one in there after we uh, do ours, feel free. Just um, yeah, I'll, I'll just freeforming it, if you will. Yeah, freeforming. I Lord knows, I've done it before, and I'm probably Nathan has too, several times. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I will. Uh, I will. I have mine here ready. Okay. Okay. Um, So, Nick Cage, an AC dick. Gary Sinise, a bad guy? Literal theme song. (laughs) Clap, clap, clap. Snap your fingers. Snap your fingers. Can you snap? Oh, there we go. Jason is my finger snapper because I cannot snap my fingers. Ah, you're like a... Like Chris Cooper in the Muppets movie, instead of being able to actually maniacally laugh, you just say, snap fingers, snap fingers, snap fingers. Maniacal laugh. (laughs) Yes. Okay, uh, here we go. 
Ooh, a mystery. Who could be behind this crime? Whoa. Hold on. Not yet. <laughs> very good, very good. I think I have one. Oh, Jason has come up with a last minute low haiku. I apologize if it's not quite right. I think I have it right. Okay, here okay, we go. Here we go. Well, uh, make by sure, all means. Make sure to use your NPR voice. All right. All right. And um, smack your lips as much as possible. No. Uh, yes. All right, here we go. Rick Santorum sucks. Santoro is your guy, man. Vote Nick Cage for Sen. Good. <laughs> snap, snap, snap fingers, snap fingers, snap fingers, snap fingers. We'll uh, we, we'll we'll take it since it was um, it was done on the fly. <sighs> oh, out of that. Are we out? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Gotta gotta. Also, literal theme song. Not necessarily so much because they weren't in Sin City. They were in Atlantic City. No, but they do say snake eyes several times in the song. Several times. And uh, a, a man drowning doesn't die quietly and all well, that wasn't stuff. Wasn't this like a sort of a future a future reference? Because wasn't that Carla Gugano lady in uh, Sin City? <laughs> in the, the Robert Rodriguez Sin City somewhere, perhaps? <laughs> Maybe? Was she? I don't know. She Kinda is in it, genius. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She is a... Uh, I, I forget who she plays, but yeah, she definitely in it. Um, but you know what? <clears throat> Nathan... Yes, Brennan. We may all have had an opinion on this movie. Mm-hmm. But... Don't take a word for us! Yeah, don't take our word for it. <clears throat> because, uh, let me just check here. This film has a 40% critics rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35% audience rating. Wow. Yeah, pretty close actually. They're pretty close together. That's uh, that's something else. That's not you. That's not the usual here. No, no. Normally we get a, the ones that the critics have took a dump on, and the audience seems to love for some reason. Yeah, or at least like the critics give like six, and the audience is like thirty six or something. Yeah. So I mean, we do have some uh, s- some reviews here to read from Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see what the critics have said. Uh, first of all, Todd McCarthy over at Variety says. Wispy threads of a dramatic plausibility and character involvement unravel completely by the time of the incredibly silly final final reel. That's a mm-hmm. lot of words crammed it into is. one sentence. That was a, that was a <laughs> lexicon of garble. Uh, Rick Groin? G-R-O-E-N. Groin! Groin. Groin. Rick Groin? Groin. Okay. Rick Groin with the thing in my haven. Says, I hate my name. Please get of me a Of the new Globe one. and Mail, lay nice <laughs> Oh, lady. that guy. All right. I got you. <laughs> Says, director Brian De Palma does his stylish best to weave the patchy script into a cinematic quilt. But despite his best efforts, and they're often formidable, the thing just doesn't cohere. Very good. It's a negative review, obviously. Uh, this, is, uh, this is actually from Roger Ebert. This is a this is a real negative one. He gave this movie uh, one star out of four. Aww. <clears throat> he says, It's the worst kind of bad film. The kind that gets you all worked up and then lets you down instead of just being lousy from the first shot. <laughs> he, he's, he's talking about this movie like it's a hand job. <laughs> like 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 she's she's jerking you off real good, but then right before you right before you come, she stops. <laughs> Well, Roger Ebert did write a lot about sex. That's true. <laughs> he wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, although I will say, too, I'm kind of on board with that because the first 20 minutes is like the be- high 
far and away the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, At the very least, the first 40 where you're still in suspense. Yeah. But, like, the, the, the fact that the first 20, I mean, it's not actually one shot. There are actually five or six cuts just very carefully uh, hidden. But it is, like, one of the more thrilling aspects of the movie, uh, of this thriller, as it should be, thrilling. And uh, Andrew Saris of the New York Observer was a, a little more forgiving. Uh, he says, it never loses its bearings as it hovers between preposterous paranoia and a Billy Wilder-like moral fable about a deeply flawed hero who draws a line in the sand beyond which he cannot go. <laughs> wow. That is a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of gravita for Snake Eyes. <laughs> yeah. This this one is a positive review, I think. I don't remember. I wrote it down. I don't remember if it was positive or negative. But it just says, The first 20 minutes of Snake Eyes are among the most imaginative and energetic minutes of film I've seen in a while. Jeffrey Anderson, combustible celluloid. Uh, negative one here from Bob Graham from the San Francisco Chronicle. Fucking Bob that- Graham that rag <laughs> what might have been fascinating after a while becomes frustrating and finally a real slog <laughs> he gave uh, it one out of four as well oh, rough reviews from these people um yeah. this is uh i got some audience ones to read here delightful <laughs> I please i love these um this one has a lot of really good uh, has a lot of uh, great spelling in it too uh, <laughs> not a good movie it's a very stupid movie nicholas cage has plate P-L-A-Y apostrophe T <laughs> in better movies apostrophe S than with an E in Snake Eyes. <laughs> well, no, he, he played in better movies and then he played in Snake Eyes, so no. that's kind of right. I th- Yeah, I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> don't try to help this fella or, or, or lady. I don't remember their name. Late. <sighs> Do you have any more critics ones? Or? Uh, yeah. Just a second here. I'll bring one up. I figured you were going full on. Oh, I can read more uh, if you want. audience. No, I got one here. Okay. Um, I got one here that's uh, from Film Quips Online. John R. McEwen says De Palma, a director who chooses his projects carefully, has scored again. <laughs> Four out of five. What well, Jesus? <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, tell us how you really feel there. I think. Yeah. Uh, more, more audience ones. <laughs> this is the worst Nick Cage movie ever made. If I could rate it negative six, Whoa. I would. Let's oh. not say things we can't take back because there are way worse Nick yeah, Cage there's, movies. Yeah, there's no than way this one. one is the worst. One. But but I love how specific it is. If I could rate it negative six, <laughs> negative six. I would. Uh, this one is like okay. This this I picked up on just because of the very very end of it. Uh, the the. The film, mainly because of its plot, weak acting, predictable moments, and poor development, tends to be disappointing. No elaborate opening tracking shot will make me forgive everything else. Brian De Palma still has talent for directing films, believe me. He just needs a better script and an unpredictable story. 44 out of 100. That's a very specific rating. (laughs) I'd love to see his rubric. (laughs) I want to see, yeah, I want to see more of a breakdown of that rating. Show me, show your work. Uh, Uh, Kevin N. LaForest. Yeah. Or Lafore, he's from the Montreal Film Journal. That right. Uh, you said that the last one was the most positive. Uh, this one, this guy here, I think might go you one better. Mm. I don't think that there's anything in this film that really doesn't work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's all three, he says. Three point five out of four. Well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's three yeah. points. Clearly, there's something that doesn't work because you didn't rate it a perfect score. <laughs> did he? Did he negative it point five because he missed the first ten minutes or something? <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, I, it, it's not a, it's not personal. I didn't give you a four, not because I didn't like the movie. It's just I never give fours. <laughs> this it's is like a, that shitty professor yeah. in university is like, I never give A's. This is a perfect film, flawless in every single way, not a single issue with it, nine out of ten. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> so, this is my last audience review here. Um, <laughs> this guy has very specific interests. Uh, love this film. It has all my favorites. Gambling, women, boxing, conspiracy theories, and film noir. Nicolas Cage is the man. Yeah. I like how gambling, if it has gambling and women, I'm in. So, uh, on... In, Signed, Michael Jordan. On the Nicolas Cage scale, <laughs> I would Charles say... Barkley. Right, Right in the middle of the Nicolas Cage scale of films, I would say the most mediocre Nicolas Cage film is probably It Could Happen to You. Now, is it above that or below that? Do you know that one? He wins a he, he splits a lottery ticket I, with a lady I, with a waitress. Yeah. yeah, I think it's above it. Okay, I think it's I think it's in the upper echelon. I don't think it's the like at the very tippy top. It's 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 not it's not in the really good like Oscar winning Nicolas Cage territory, and it's not in the like season of the witch like just terrible of terrible the crazy. Yeah. <laughs> season of the witch is just like unwatchable. I think. Um, this one, honestly, though, like if we're gonna uh, talk about like uh, if we recommend it or not, I'm gonna say if you got if you're listening to this, if you like crazy Nick Cage performances, I think you'll enjoy this. I mean, it's oh, not absolutely, it's not hard to get through at all. No, it's not. No, it's an enjoyable. It's an enjoyable watch. It it goes by pretty quickly. It's 98 minutes. Yeah, it's. Uh, it is predictable, uh, especially if you listen to this podcast before watching the movie. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, sir? Don't! Go back! Go back! Pretend you didn't listen to this. Rewind it. <laughs> People still do that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you just give yourself some major head trauma, you might forget it. I mean... <laughs> but then listen to it again, because we want you to... Just drink real heavily. And, then... <laughs> and watch Snake Eyes. Um... But yeah, no, I think like I think we're pretty much all in agreement that like it's kind of re- it's kind of a recommend. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely worth it's a watch. Fun. Like not even just for the 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 bonkers Nicolas Cage stuff. I mean, uh, if you can if you can forgive the reveal being so early in the movie, it's actually a, a pretty fun little uh, mystery at first. Yeah, for sure. That's a it's a dumb movie, but uh, you know it's it's enjoyable. Yeah. But Nathan. Yes. Having said all that. Uh, we are in full on in summer flopbuster season. We as, are as I as I sit here dripping a flop sweat. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> uh, you are feeling me, and I think that's making me sweat more. <laughs> oh, but what little? You'll never be as big as Mariah, Jason. <laughs> Try so hard. <laughs> what? Uh, why don't you give us a little a little hint ski about our next summer flopbuster movie I, in two I, I weeks? Wouldn't... Yes, I'm more than glad to give you a little hint. You know, yeah. uh, uh, just something that you'll know that the what's coming next. Perfect. You know, uh, a, a you know the teaser uh, for your palate, if you will. Yes. Uh, an appetizer of the verbal persuasion. Sure. Uh, when you when you get right down to it, uh, a snippet, if you will, of what's going to uh, what's going to be next. Yeah, our, that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead and uh, give your hint. You're gonna love it, Puddin. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yep. You're gonna love it, Puddin'. Yep. Is it Snake Eyes too? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that came out in December, so. All right, so <laughs> what? Hold on. <laughs> oh my god, I got so excited for a second. <laughs> Directed by Brian De- Brian De Palma <laughs> again. Yeah, of course. So, so that was Snake Eyes. Uh, Jason, 
Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always happy to join you guys for you, these uh, podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Do you have anything to plug? People, uh, if you, you want to see my thoughts uh, occasionally that I post them, I'm at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D on Twitter. So follow me there, and you can be one of my hundred and some odd followers that are mostly bots. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you can just check me out down at the convenience store, and I will probably sell you cigarettes if you have ID. I like how you so said, you won't sell them to a five year old then is what you're getting at. Well, I mean, we we work something out. <laughs> I like how you said I'll probably sell them to you if you have ID. <laughs> the odd the odd time you're like you have ID. Nah, nah you're an asshole. Yeah, I, I really don't want to. Th- I'm not comfortable. I think you should actually quit smoking. <laughs> Jason, not, not selling them to you. Jason, out. Jason is a moral merchant I'm, of death. I'm a moral merchant of death. That's right. <laughs> Would you like some Chulies gum? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the second one on this show. Yep. Uh, well, three if you count the uh, the selling of cigarettes to a five year old. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Would you uh, Would you like to bring your friend in for a little plug? Uh, he is actually hiding in the fridge right now because okay. it is ridiculously hot here as I, well. I was going to say I wasn't referring to your penis, so I'm glad you figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> He's my big friend, actually. That oh, one. I mean, average friend. Montrose is my little. Well, I mean, if you're when your litmus test is Mariah, right? I mean, oh. I no one, no one's stacking up to that. <laughs> Uh, so uh, but you yeah. can you can check out uh, Montrose Monkington the Third Esquire and Friends on Facebook. Uh, it's a delightful little British monkey puppet. Uh, he's going to have a a wealth of content being released over the summer because uh, recently he went to Vancouver. Uh, he went to Victoria, British Columbia. He uh, checked out uh, King of the Ring 1998, so that's going to be on his uh, vlogcast in the coming weeks. And he also took in some roller derby here in St. John uh, recently. So he has been uh, getting out and about, so you can check him out. Montrose Monkington the Third Esquire and Friends on Facebook. Montrose Monkington TV on YouTube. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Montrose the Third. That's the number three RD on Twitter. Perfect. And... Yeah. As for us, uh, what were they thinking? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WWTT Podcast or all the podcatchers, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I'm missing a real one. Podbean, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, <laughs> Stitcher. I think that's all of them. They're uh, all real. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, you can also uh, find us on Facebook. Just search for What Were They Thinking? And we will. I assure you we are there. Uh, also, you can join our group. What were they thinking? Interactive. You can tell us all about how much you love Snake Eyes. You can also like just suggest movies if you want. Like we we read it. Like we're not necessarily gonna like oh cancel the next episode. We're gonna do this one right now. But I mean we take them all into account. You should do Milk Money. Milk Money. I love that movie. <laughs> Milk Money. Yeah, with uh, Ed Harris. It's about three kids that uh, save up their money and bike to the city and buy a hooker so they can see her boobs, and then that hooker falls in love with Ed Harris. Isn't is. Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie? Uh, maybe. No, no, it's Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith. I knew it was someone like that. Yeah. This is this is Googling I'm going to do after we're done here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's all our, uh, I think that's all our stuff. Oh, you can also, we have a Redbubble shop right now. You go to redbubble.com slash people slash WWTT podcast. We got a nice uh, human centipede inspired shirt. Uh, one about uh, quote unquote Wyoming and uh, just our regular logo. You can put that on anything. You can put that shit on anything. That's right. Mugs, mouse pads. Like if you need to need a mouse pad in this day and age. Condoms. Stickers. Yeah. I think you can get condoms too. I would love to have a what were they thinking condom. <laughs> <laughs> just be you have to buy like a bunch of them though. That's what we well, do, they, Nathan. They, we just they actually 
They come in small, medium, large, and Mariah. <laughs> Zing. Mariah also, I should point out right now, as we're making fun of her uh, penis, she also des- designs, designed all of our stuff. Uh, so hey. thank you to Mariah. Very much. She's the best. And I think that's going to do it. Yeah. So having said that, Nathan, mm-hmm. do you have any questions? Well, I do. I mean, you get a you get a movie where you have um, still honorable Nick Cage because he was still pretty uh, pretty well regarded in, in the film industry at that point. A guy like Gary Sinise, who was in Forrest Gump and, and clearly a, a, a per- fantastic actor. Um, and you, you take and you, you give this movie such a, a nice spin of like a whodunit and it is like a mysterious. Like we were trying to figure out who's really behind this conspiracy and just what's going on. We're just trying to understand. And then you give away it at 43 minutes. You tell us who like it's, it's legit. And here's your villains. I mean, really, uh, Brian De Palma, what were you thinking? Oh, inner gas. That was fun. He's going to leave that in. That's going to be like the stinger. <laughs> what? That'll be like the stinger of the episode after all okay. the ads have played. Ooh, inner gas is fun. I, I, I might. <laughs> if I remember, I might. There is no way back in. You got nothing. Snake eyes, a house always wins. A